Uh, hello, and welcome to Tic Tac Talk, Episode 9. This week, we're going to be talking about iPad Pro workflows with our special guest, Ray Jacobson. What's up? Uh, yeah, nice to have you here. I'm Rob. <laughs> Thanks. I'm Candace. And I'm Ray. Uh, welcome, Ray. So this is a very important moment in TTT history because, Ray, you are our first guest here on our podcast. Um, it's an honor. We've always been talking about it. We were kind of nervous, but we were really glad to have you on our show today to talk about something that's pretty near and dear to my heart. And surprisingly, when I saw you uh, back for the semester, pretty probably near dear to your heart, right? And it's the iPad. I would say so. Hmm. so I noticed he held it close to his chest when he came in. Yeah, you were like kind of warm when you came <laughs> in, and you took it out. of You were wearing overalls know, and the I was, pocket. I was, I was not wearing an overall. I was not looking like a kangaroo. Um, a shoulder bag. But before we actually get started into the iPad and everything, but let's have the audience get to know you a little bit better. Do you want to sure. give a kind of a quick spiel about who you are? Yeah, so my name's Ray. Uh, I'm a senior at RPI. Like these wonderful people that run this podcast. Um, I'm studying computer science. Uh, I've been studying computer science since I got here. Um, it's a lot of fun. I would say that it's probably my bi- one of my biggest hobbies. Other than that, like uh, I ski, I play, play music, play guitar. Um, have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff, but also discovering new tech and playing around with new things is a big, big spot of joy for me. So that's, I guess, why I was asked to be here. Just so absolutely. speaking of big, uh, the first thing when I talked to you was you brought up that you had an iPad Pro. And so I think that's where we kind of got our conversation going. So let us so tell the audience, what do you use? What do you have right now? So I have the iPad Pro 13-inch, uh, I guess 12.9 technically, but I would consider it a 13-inch. Um, and I, I guess I'm using it right now. It's in front of me. It's looking at me. And just to go <laughs> really Beautiful. deep into the specs, uh, color, capacity... Cellular, Wi-Fi, all that spiel. Um, well, so actually it was it was in part a uh, Christmas present, a joint Christmas present. Um, so I didn't get to pick the size, unfortunately. Oh. Um, so I am scraping the bottom of the barrel right now in terms of size, unfortunately. So, so you got 32. We're at 32. Okay. Still a very um, nice Christmas present. Still, still very nice. Especially Santa like, is very generous. Yeah, Santa's a great guy. He's been um, a good boy. <laughs> I have been. Um, but yeah, I think I think that like because so much stuff is in the cloud now, I think it's it's manageable on 32. Um, and I haven't actually had any problems with it, which has been pretty sweet. Um, we're we're rocking the space gray, believe. Nice. That's that's what's happening. Um, I have with me the Apple Pencil and also the Apple Smart Keyboard. Um, so Santa like gave you the fully loaded. The iPad full setup. the full Apple the whole thing. It's really cool. Yeah. So um, you know that's pretty big. And I know you, I'm pretty sure you have the 15-inch MacBook Pro. I correct? do. Wow. So do you carry this around with you all the time, or is it kind of like your uh, laptop replacement or uh, companion? Yeah, so I guess I can talk a little bit about what I carry around, um, and it's kind of changed since I got this device, which I think is pretty cool. So before, you know, the past three and a half years of my college career, I would carry around a backpack. My laptop would always be in my backpack. I would carry around notebooks, probably a textbook or two. Um, but that's completely changed. So ever since I got this iPad, I would say that this is in my back, my, I don't wear a backpack anymore. I wear like a messenger bag. Um, but the iPad is in there hundred percent of the time. My laptop's in there maybe 50% of the time. 50%. And I carry around no paper, which is awesome. Nice. So let's say like there's a standard five days that you have class. You would say for at least two or two and a half the days, you don't have your computer at all yeah. as a comp sci major. Yep. Wow. That's huge. What do you think about that, Rob? Because I know that's the biggest barrier for you, really, to kind of grasp what the iPad would fit into your flow, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, we've talked about the iPad Pro before, but uh, as a comp sci major, when Candace told me that you used it to replace some of your workflows, I was kind of shocked because I couldn't picture not bringing this computer to some of my classes. So, um, you know, especially for some of the programming stuff. But Candace told me you actually program on your iPad Pro. So that was like, 
I, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I, yeah, I can definitely talk about that. Yeah. I mean, first, first, I do want to say, like, when I first got this device, I mean, I was home. It was winter break. I wasn't in school. Um, but I got the iPad, and I hadn't opened my laptop, I think, for nine days straight when oh. I got it. Which wow. was did you do any development awesome. then? I did a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, I can go into that right now. Um, so what I, what I tend to do with the iPad um, is I still actually interface with my laptop, but I leave my laptop at home. And I shell into my laptop with a, with a terminal app um, using Server Auditor, which is one of the free ones in the App Store. And I have a bunch of stuff configured for my terminal on my Mac, on my laptop, um, that makes it easy, really easy to run just one terminal screen and be able to actually do development stuff with it. Wow. Um, so. so your Mac is left on though, right? So just sitting on the desk, plugged in, I imagine. Exactly, is yeah. it lid closed or lid open? Uh, I'm still trying to understand, like, I'm <laughs> You going, want the whole, I can lay out the whole, the whole thing I, right now. Because the main yeah. question is, I'm now an iPad Pro owner as well, and I want to kind of move away from carrying my MacBook Pro since it's heavier, it's the 15 inch as well. And I'm just trying to think, like, is it detrimental to leave the computer on all the time? What's the power consumption? How does it affect the life of my computer? Yeah, I mean, my computer's been around, I guess I got this macbook pro 15 inch that i have in early 2012 so it's or maybe even 2011 so it's it's you know a little bit old battery life isn't that great um but i leave it at home on my desk like it doesn't have any issues during the day i use nocturnal which is a little app that lets you you know close the lid if you want um i've never had issues like overheating or anything because i'm not doing anything very crazy Mm -hmm. um but what i do is i use server auditor to ssh into my laptop so i get a terminal screen and on my laptop i have this thing called Tmux installed, which is the terminal multiplexer. Um, what that lets you do is it lets you create multiple terminal windows within one terminal window. So rather than having to open like multiple connections, I can just open one connection and then split up the screen however I want. I use something like Vim as a text editor, um, and then I can just work with the same system that I've been working with for the last four years. I have all my tools, I have everything there, all of it's accessible through the terminal, and then I can just use the iPad. And the fact that it has an awesome 13-inch screen lets me do a lot even without a laptop. Wow. So I would say I would say it works. Um, it's not perfect, but it works. How do you like it though? Do you think you're at the same efficiency level if you were on your MacBook Pro versus your iPad, or do you think there's still a barrier? I think it it really depends what I'm doing. Um, recently, I've been doing some iOS stuff, and to that, like I'm locked to my laptop and I can't really do anything on the iPad, which kind of stinks. Um, but if it's building like something like a Python like web application, that you know I do stuff like that a lot. I think it's it's pretty doable and relatively um, fast. Like I maybe like a little bit loss of efficiency, but as a programmer, like most of the time, you're actually just thinking, not actually writing code. And the one thing is, I always people always complain like there's no mouse interface with the iPad. But for a programmer, a lot of it's built off of like shortcuts and keyboard, and like efficiency is how less can you not touch the screen and stuff. So you've never had an issue with it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really haven't had an issue with that. Um, I think right now, like it's the like tabbing between applications is kind of a little bit buggy on the iPad Pro. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that a little bit when I'm trying to switch between looking at a browser and looking at a uh, like terminal screen, and the fact that not all the apps have support for side by side right now. Um, Google is Docs not is like the bane of my existence. I know. I wish. I really wish Google Docs was there. They only also recently added. They didn't do picture in picture for YouTube, but now you can do slide over, which is just okay now. <laughs> I imagine it looks a little bit better on your larger screen. But I'm on my nine point seven. If I do just a single column, the video is so tiny and it takes up so much of the screen. Uh, I end up using ProTube for the picture in picture for YouTube. So I'm usually watching a tutorial or watching some type of BuzzFeed video and then working in Google Docs. It's probably one of my own work, personal workloads and stuff. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's super interesting that you use Vim too. Um, you know, I wouldn't think of that because it's such like an older. Um, it's not in my workflow personally, but it's perfect for that use case because Vim is so keyboard centric, which is ideal for this kind of screen. 
and it's just as powerful as any other text editor, if not more. So that's that I think is super interesting. I would say that without Vim, it would be impossible. Yeah, but I couldn't think Vim of that. Makes it work. You haven't tried any of? Um, I know there's a software company, an app company like Transmit, or they make Transmit and they do Panic and they do a whole bunch of web stuff. Yeah, yeah. Panic does a lot of stuff. I've used some of their stuff before. I think they made something called Coda, if mm-hmm. I'm not right, yeah, or if I'm not wrong. Um, Coda I used before. I know they're a good company. I know they make good stuff, but I kind of just didn't really want to pay for it. And <laughs> Server Auditor is free and it works and it doesn't have ads. And as far as like the customization goes, um, all of it I do with like Tmux and with Vim and stuff like that on the actual computer side of it, so my MacBook side of it. And then otherwise, like it really is just a blank screen that I need. Mm, um, Server perfect. Auditor has it. So. Okay. Speaking of the keyboard, uh, what do you think of it? Because I don't own the smart keyboard myself. It's kind of a big investment, I think, initially when you buy the iPad. Um, but do you like it? How's it suit yeah, your needs? I don't think I would like the device as much as I do now if I didn't have it. Um, when I was looking at keyboards, so the, the great present that Santa gave me didn't include the pencil or the keyboard. Okay. So I kind of figured out what I wanted to do there. I knew I was going to get the pencil. That was kind of a, a shoe in But uh, as far as the keyboard went, I kind of looked around. I tried out the Logitech one. Um, it was a little bit more bulky, so I kind of didn't want to have that, especially since the device itself is you know relatively large. I like the size, but it's big. Um, and the keyboard is really nice because it folds up as a case, it folds up as a stand. Um, the stand's really nice for like watching Netflix and the case mm. you know, is good for carrying around. And then as far as the actual keys go, um, they're spaced out just like my regular keyboard on my laptop. So I didn't notice any sort of transition with that at all. Oh really? Even yeah. with the fabric and that stuff too? Some people have said that the distance or the travel of the keys aren't the same as what they're used to. You haven't had any? They don't press in as far, but the spacing I think is the most important part. And I think I've tested words per minute and I hit, I think 115 on the iPad, so. Oh, using that keyboard? I think that it, wow. it does, it does. That I mean, I usually awesome. can type at like 120 or something like that. Um, but yeah, it do- really doesn't impede me. McCann, just for the listeners, you are rocking a different keyboard on your 9.7-inch iPad Pro. Yeah, Can I'm you go into that? I'm personally just not ready to make the investment. Um, the model that I would get for my iPad Pro 9.7 is a little bit cheaper. It's $149. Um, but I went with the Microsoft keyboard. It's called the Universal Tablet Keyboard. The reason why I like it is it has three radios built in, so you can pair with the three devices. And I got it when I had my Air 2, knowing that since it's Bluetooth, it can work with any device. So if I get a new iPad, or I even go into the dark side and get an Android tablet or a Microsoft Surface. The dark side? This keyboard would always work. Wow, our listeners are going to love that the one. The quote-unquote <laughs> dark side, for me personally, if you know me personally. What about the size, though, if you get another device? Yeah. That like I Rob knows, we've talked about it many times off-air, but I was very close. I'm showing my fingers. I was very close in trying the 12.9 iPad Pro. And if I were to, this keyboard would probably be really poorly sized. Um, but the other great thing about this one is it has a stand and it's magnetically attached so you can change the angle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's been very flexible in like my note-taking workflow in class. Sometimes I like to go just tablet only. Sometimes I like to just stick in the stand and type. Um, but it was like 40 bucks, 50 bucks on Amazon and it's nice to know it's future-proof. But I'm, I always go into the Apple Store, I see the smart keyboard on the shelf, I know that I don't have to charge it, I'm always so tempted. Yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest plus to not charging, but uh, what, do you, what do you think, Ray? Yeah, I mean, I think the the profile is probably the best part of it. It's really slim. It's your everyday case, right? You don't ever take it really out of the case. Don't take it off. Um, I feel kind of actually, like, I've used it so much that it it feels weird to hold the iPad without the case now. You don't, like, walk Um, around with just, like, it's like a piece of paper or anything. It's always attached to the case. It's pretty much always with the the case. And, I mean, it just sits behind it when I'm keeping it flat to, like, note-take and stuff like that. I guess to that point, though, you know, with that case on, using it with one hand, it's you can do it, but I think it makes a lot more sense with a 9.7-inch to not have... 
um, such a, a relatively thick case where in your case, you know, you have that thin, just the fold over thing, which makes it a little more manageable in one hand, which is definitely more fitting for the size. And I'm always like, you see me right now, I don't have the case on it. I usually, I'm using my iPad Air 2 case right now, but I'm always going to like rip it out of the case and just hold it yeah, yeah. and walk around like the way that Johnny Ive intended. <laughs> no case at all. Uh, yeah. That um, aluminum bath. But onto the next probably big accessory, and this is the big reason why I decided to upgrade my iPad is the Apple Pencil. Um, so I think that kind of transitions into one of the biggest use cases for us as students for the iPad Pro. But how, what's your experience with the Apple Pencil? What do you really use it for? Um, do you do any art or what do you use it? Yeah, um, so I guess when I first saw the ads for the iPad Pro, um, when I saw the pencil, I was like, well, like, oh, they're making a stylus. Like, I know they were really against that for a while. But if any company's going to do it right, I think Apple's going to do it right. And I've played around with some of the other styluses out there, um, like the stuff for the Surface. And they've been pretty good. Um, but when I actually tried it in the Apple Store, I was like, wow, this is like fluid. It's simple. It works. Um, and that, that was like a big selling point for me. So as far as using it goes and as far as note taking goes, um, I have found that it's as accurate as I am with a pencil. Um, the fact that I can like then have all my notes digital, I can even print them out if I want. Um, that's really awesome. And as far like the only real complaint I would say that I have with the pencil is kind of like the charging situation's a little weird. Yeah, um, it's when I first saw it, I thought it was a joke, right? Like everyone <laughs> showed it and it sticks out of your iPad and stuff. Um, and it just looks ridiculous. It's kind of the same thing as the new magic mouse where you have to flip the mouse on its back to charge it. It's just one of those like I feel like design snafus. It's not that big of a deal for me personally. I never had the issue where it ran really critically low and I had to keep it in the iPad for a really long time before I could use it again. It just looks kind of silly. Akinas, I saw your unboxing video, which for our listeners you can check out Akinas's YouTube channel. But I saw it includes a female to female connector. Do they also include a male to male so you can like not have it jutting off the side of your tablet? No, that's the only adapter. So they include the one extra nib that you can screw on and off if you wear out the first one. And then it has that adapter. But for me, I haven't even taken it out of the box yet. Okay. I was trying to see how long I could go without relying on a standard lightning cable to charge it. Mm -hmm. And so usually my workflow is when I come back from class or home with my iPad, um, I charge the iPad itself. And then when it's fully charged, I just stick the pencil in when I shower or like I'm brushing my teeth. And it usually goes up back to 100. Do you know if they sell them mail to mail? I actually don't know. That's a really good question. Because, like, where else Where else would you use it, right? Like, would Apple make it just for that case? I guess you could charge your iPhone and your iPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. They charge each other. It's the same thing that's like USB-C, right? Yeah. Like, you can charge your Nexus 6S, like 6P on a 5X and stuff, right? Yeah, I don't even know if that's possible with the Lightning protocol, but just curious. Yeah, I don't know. But I've never had a problem. It just looks ridiculous. And when you tell... I'm going to use the word muggles. I'm going to say muggles for people who are not very into technology. When you show them that, they're always just like, ugh, like, ugh, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, my, my roommates refer to it as the, the iPad lollipop uh, when I charge <laughs> it. But I think, I think if I could say something really quickly about this is I'm definitely a lot less cognizant about charging as Candace is, so I don't plug it in when I, like, go brush my teeth and stuff like that. Um, and I have drained it multiple, multiple times. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I really do like about the Apple Pencil is that it charges very quickly. Yeah. So even at 0% battery, I show up to class and my Apple Pencil's dead and I'm about to start taking notes. I can plug it into the iPad and it's up to 10% in like three minutes. Wow. And I don't really miss any notes and 
I think that's the best part. Like, it's completely self-contained, right? If you're using your iPad as your main device and you weren't really carrying anything in your messenger bag and your pencil ran out of battery, you can fully rely on the iPad on providing that power. I think that's, like, the main reason why they went with this type of design. Definitely. I can see why that, you know, it's a good trade-off. I'd rather have some external charging solution. My question is, why, like, how much power does the smart connector provide? And couldn't they build something to use a smart connector instead? I think it'd be better if they did something like um, the Google Pixel tablet. Have you seen that thing? Where the keyboard charges through, um, uh, what is it, like a quiet charging standard. Where oh, the Qi ta- standard? The Qi, yeah, thank you. Okay. You put them together and then it charges through the tablet. So there's no wires or anything ever. You never plug it in. Just when it's closed, it charges. Oh, that'd be like the like the best vision. It's like you just put down your iPad on your desk. It has like a pad on it and it charges everything. And so when you like wake up and you go to school, you pick up everything up and everything's fully charged. Yeah, but like even if, um, I guess the analogy for the pencil would be you stick to the side of the iPad and then it charges. Yeah, I want like cool. almost like MagSafe kind of right, like exactly, new generation yeah. MagSafe using the smart connector, cool. charging everything. Mm, uh, Johnny, I, you can reach us at TikTokTalkShow <laughs> at gmail.com for more ideas. I'm sure they've thought of all this stuff already. Yeah, there's fine. a limit to the number of charges you can introduce per calendar year. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the reason why. Um, but for note taking, and that's probably the big thing that you mentioned. What's your note taking workflow? Yeah. Um, so I've checked out a couple of the different applications that are available. Um, I've probably spent the most time working with like. Uh, Penultimate by Evernote and also Notability. Uh, I recently just started using Notability because it handles some stuff Penultimate can't, like doing PDFs and doing images better. Uh, but I really do like Penultimate. It's right now it's like still a little bit buggy, but it's really simple to use. Um, I like the the default tools that it gives you, and also I really like that I don't have to do any extra work to sync with Evernote online. And Evernote has some really good machine learning stuff and computer vision stuff they use on your text documents to actually be able to search over your handwritten notes. Um, and I've saved myself a couple times looking for notes for like I was studying for a test and I had, you know, 40 different notebook documents on my, you know, penultimate thing. They were all in Evernote and I was searching for a specific phrase that I could, you know, put on my crib sheet for the test and it was right there and I could just search. It was Evernote. able to read your handwriting properly. It was able to read my handwriting even though it wow. was zoomed in and really small, um, which I think is really cool. And yeah, that's it. I have thing. a confession to make as an, a loyal Evernote user. Uh, very loyal Evernote user. Have not used Penultimate with my iPad Pro. I kind of refuse to. I've been wow. more of a notability girl. Since. I just want to like pause for a second here. Didn't you meet the founder? Yeah, so I met the CEO of, uh, of Evernote. Big fan. I've always been a big fan of Evernote. It's a core part of my workflow now. I remember you put on the Evernote workshop. Did you Did you cry when you met him? I, no, I no. almost did. Oh, okay. I was very close <laughs> to I was overwhelmed with emotions. Um, but yeah, I haven't used it. I'm very tempted, but it was a little bit buggy and a little bit, the ink didn't come out the same way I wanted to when I tried it a couple times in the Apple store. Uh, and I've gone with Notability because of the PDF. So mm-hmm. if you're an Evernote Pro user like I am and you subscribe for the, I think $45 a year, they do searching within PDFs. Um, so what I do with Notability is I import my professor's uh, PowerPoints or PDFs into Notability, I write on them, and then I export into Evernote into the direct folders. Mm. Yeah, I would definitely say Notability is is more featured, but I found Penultimate first, and I kind of kind of like how straightforward it is. Do you just do blank notes, or do you import something like your, what your professors provide? I pretty much just do blank notes. Um, I kind of grew away from the idea of uh, importing stuff from my professors. Kind of in high school, I did that a little bit when I tried taking notes on a laptop, and I tried copying slides, and I found that I was just kind of wasting time because I spent so much effort like getting things in the right spot and like figuring out where I wanted stuff. Whereas if I'm just Stri- like restricted to text on like a blank slate that helps me pay attention more. Um, yeah, I've been trying to follow that too because um, before I got the iPad or I started handwriting, like Rob said something about how I was always so focused on getting word for word, like verbatim what my professor was saying. And I really wasn't taking or 
thinking really deeply about the subject. I was just so set on making my notes look perfect. And I think one of the big reasons why I wanted to transition into handwriting is like the idea that I'm being very mindful. I'm a slow writer. My handwriting is messy, but whatever I write down is going to be important. I'll need to know it. Mm, definitely. Ray, have you also looked into, uh, we touched on Google Docs earlier. Have you looked into the Microsoft suite? Um, I know it's not free, but I've been hearing a lot of good things about it on the iPad and they do have the split screen experience. Yeah. Um, if it was free, I would probably be using it. Uh, the apps look really nice. You know the, the what like it's kind of dumb, right? Like because if your screen is under I think ten inches, you get Microsoft Office for free. So I could download it and use it for free as a user. But for anything above that screen size, they charge you for the subscription, which is ridiculous. I think the thought there when that first came out, and that policy has been in effect since like two thousand and twelve or something. The idea was um, if it's a computer, because you know the Surface Book is a tablet that is. 12 or so inches, they're not going to give you office, but if it's not a computer, if it's firmly a tablet, then you get it for free, I believe. Yeah. I, I, Which makes sense, but like, come on. This yeah. is, <laughs> same thing, just a bigger screen. They should just give it to iOS to convince people to jump off the ship of Google Docs because a lot of people are unhappy with it. No one really wants to use Pages, I think, at this point. And so like, I think Microsoft is really poised into coming in and re-becoming re this like awesome productivity suite. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. It's very interesting. But so for any type of document writing or if you have any papers, what do you use then if you're not using Office? Um, I am using Google Docs, Google Drive. Uh, mm -hmm. That's pretty much uh, what I have been using for the last four years. Um, and I think even if I had like the Microsoft suite available, I would still lose that a little bit because as far as collaboration goes, like everyone I know is on Google Docs. That's what I do for courses. That's what I do for meeting, you know, meetings of organizations like outside of courses. Yeah. Um, just everything is there. So... Everyone if, in college pretty much has a Gmail. It's like pretty much the fall, right? Like, exactly. what's your Gmail? What's your Gmail? It's like that network effect. And now it's so hard. Like, I want to try Quip. I want to try Microsoft Office. Like, me and Rob are always in this constant struggle where we're sick of the Google apps for iOS and we want to try something, but no one's on it. That would be a good phrase. Like, what's your Outlook? I'd be like, what's your what's Quip? Your oh, add me on Quip. Like, and some of that stuff is so cool, too. And, like, I feel like Google's just dragging their feet a lot with a lot of the iOS 9 support. I agree. And it just it's a serious bummer because I rely on so many other services. My uh, my theory is they're going to save it for Android and so be like, oh, but you can do Google like split screen on your Nexus tablet. Yeah, no, that's my biggest fear though, right? Like Google just starts pulling away from their services on iOS to convince people to use their hardware. I, I would consider it if it had a good Google Docs experience, you know, because I'd be using my tablet primarily for note taking like you guys say. So I, I'd be tempted. I'm not sure if I'd do it, but I'd be tempted. What do you think of, like, as a non-tablet owner, what do you think of the Pixel? Or, like, what do you think of that type of hardware compared to the iPads? Of the Pixel? Um, I've heard mixed things about it, generally bad, so <laughs> my opinion isn't very high. Um, based on your tablets, um, it's interesting to, to hear what Ray has to say about his 12-inch one. Um, having, you know, seen yours firsthand and stuff, I think it's really changed my perspective a little bit. I remember there was a time in my life where I was very firmly not going to get an iPad, I didn't see the point. Um, and with these devices, I think that's really changed. And especially hearing how you use it to do, um, I would consider, you know, real um, work, work that you can't just do like on a Chromebook, for example, um, or you could, but not so easily. So showing how it's just as capable as what I would say a full-featured laptop, I think that's really cool. And, you know, something I have not heard a lot about. Are we pushing you closer into the iPad camp? <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So if no one no one can tell right now visually, but there's four people in this room recording right now. Three people in the room own iPads, and they use iPads. Rob is the only holdout. Yeah. Even our producer has one. I know you were you're harassing me about this earlier. I, I'm considering it, okay? Maybe someday. 
I want to see, like, next time we come back, I want to see you with your big 12.9 iPad <laughs> Pro, the full setup and everything, Rob. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so aside from note-taking, what are the other major activities that you do on your iPad? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it goes without saying, but email is a huge thing. Um, it's really nice having all my email, like, on a device that I do everything else on. Um, obviously, I have that on a computer, too. I've been using Inbox a lot lately. I'm actually going on to the team that works on Inbox in August. Congratulations. Um, so, that's awesome. But uh, using, like, Inbox doesn't have support yet for, you know, the big screen, which is kind of a bummer. Oh, so everything is zoomed in. Everything is zoomed in. A lot in. of white space, too, right? A lot of white space. What's um, your experience at this point with a lot of your favorite apps and them not being iPad Pro optimized? I really wish they were, but I don't think it has stopped me from doing anything that I don't want to do. Okay. Um, I still use Inbox over, like, say, even, like, the like default mail app or anything else just because... It's comfortable because I have everything there. I'm familiar with the interface. I've used it a lot. Um, and I really kind of believe in like the, the product. And I think the interface is just a current implementation that's just lagging. Mm -hmm. um, but I really think the product's there. So email, like you, you asked like what I do a lot, email is a big thing. Um, I'd say the iPad has actually increased the amount of news that I take in, okay. which is really good. And it's also one of my favorite apps and I was actually really surprised by this, but the Apple News app is fantastic. Ray is an Apple News fan. Wow. It's so good. I, I messed around with like Google Currents like when they did that thing and like they like customized like tailored magazine content yeah. and stuff and like really never felt it. And then as soon as I started using news here, like I I check it every day and like I get like very good digests. That's what was so your workflow before Apple News? Like how did you consume? Because you are pretty up to date and you're pretty you're not a muggle, obviously. <laughs> um, but like how did I you can't read, be. I can't we did a whole episode be. about news and it was pretty much a struggle where I was stuck in RSS land and I refused to leave, refused Apple News. Rob is a little bit more open minded. Um, but I'm really interested to see like what you did. Um, I mean as far as news went before, honestly, like I was probably like Google News was like the biggest location that I would actually pull stuff from. Otherwise, like, I would follow, you know, like, certain things on Facebook, follow things on Twitter, like, occasionally get stuff that way. Um, my parents also nag me a lot, too, sometimes with stuff, so, like, <laughs> um, keeping, like, up to date with, like, the stuff that they're, like, interested in um, was a big thing, but it's really nice, like, having a, like, standalone news app that really does do a good job of tailoring content. Um, so yeah. just um, for our listeners... Do you go to any specific sites or do you go rely on these news aggregates to get your information? So for the most part, news aggregates, I do read the New York Times. I wouldn't say somewhat regularly, but I do read which New York Times. Which is free through Apple, Apple News. News. It is free through Apple News, which is fantastic. The biggest selling point. Um, yeah, it's it's really <laughs> just so good. Like I, you know, dealt, like tried to like do like Wall Street Journal for a little while and then like you know, I didn't pay for it, and then I hit the paywalls. The paywalls got me mad, and like, yeah. just all that stuff. It's it's frustrating, and I think that news has really provided like the first like worry free like just this is what I'm interested in, and this is what I'm going to get news about. What's the reading experience like? Since it's a little bit larger than a standard book or a Kindle or something, what's your workflow? Do you read in the morning, like when you're having your coffee, or are you like are you laying sideways on your couch and your iPad is like? I'm just trying to think of. Well, I have done all those things, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the tables on you and ask you: Do you have a hard time reading an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper? I don't, but it's so. slightly thicker. You're right. Like that's what I imagine. I would, especially for something like a magazine or like a news aggregator, using Feedly or even browsing Reddit. I would love to have a larger screen. Um, but sometimes I feel like there is really no natural way sometimes to hold an iPad. It's always to be propped up on a pillow or something. Um, I've even had that struggle with my own iPad, so I just can't imagine having something larger than that. Yeah, I think the the case does a really good job working as a stand. The mm -hmm. like high standing mode. Um, we have like 
in my apartment we have a little island and like a couple bar stools so it works really well just like sitting on the island to look at like having a bowl of cereal I think that works really well. Breakfast mode with the iPad is Breakfast probably mode. amazing, right? A cup of coffee, you don't have to worry about spilling anything on a computer or anything, and you can just read, consume content. You know, my biggest thing, um, and the way you're talking about this, I don't know if I would have thought this before, but um, especially looking at my laptop compared to your iPad Pro, they're almost the same size, and it sounds like you don't really use it in like a typical tablet fashion where you just you know toss it up on a pillow like you said or hold it with one hand. Do you feel like, um, you know, comparing it to a device like, the MacBook or the new um, HP Spectre 13, I think they just announced the other day. The really thin super, super thin laptops that they're coming out with that are almost a similar profile to this. Um, you know, how do you stack it up against something like that where it's, it's a full computer, it's almost the same form factor. I'd argue it's a little less. The price point too, along with yeah. all of your mm -hmm. accessories and with the Pro that you got from Santa, you know, did you ever consider just the MacBook? Itself yeah, I did. I mean, it was pretty interesting when Apple like released the the like smaller like re revisited the like original MacBook um, and made it really small. I think that there's there's something hard to like express in words, but kind of fundamentally different about using something that's considered a tablet versus a laptop. I think the fact that the the keyboard is fixed, that there is this motion where you are opening it up like a laptop, just like is so like familiar of like a larger machine mm -hmm. that it it doesn't. It doesn't enable, I wouldn't say like really disables, but it, it doesn't like encourage use. Um, and then I, I like would say like kind of like harkening back to what you said before, I never thought I would get an iPad. Mm -hmm. Like I really didn't think so. And then I saw like, you know, the Apple event where they like mentioned the iPad Pro and I was like, wow, this is I think the first tablet that I would consider using. Um, and when someone like before, like people even came up with like digital tablets, if someone said the word tablet to me, I would think of something that was like hardy in my hands to hold. Um, not something that was like nine inches, but something that was like actually like a tablet. Like, like a stone, stone tablet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Jinx. Okay, you got the me. Ted Commandments. i get you a yeah. later. <laughs> there's something, I think there's something comfortable about a standard laptop format and we're so used to it, especially I think our generation moving up. Like when you go to college, everyone buys a Dell or a MacBook and stuff like that too. But that form factor is limiting in a way where sometimes I feel like it even creates a barrier when you're having a conversation with someone or in your own lecture watching a professor speak. There's almost this fourth wall that you establish. And I think something with a tablet where you can kind of, it's modular in the sense where you could have it where it's more of a traditional stone tablet or closer to a laptop. I think that's the really powerful aspect of what it could be. Right. And, you know, off that point, I think a bigger part that I, I kind of looked over was the operating system. You know, iOS is much simpler than OS X or Windows 10 or whatever you have it. And because of that, I think it creates, you know, a one process driven, um, almost definitely more simplistic user interface, which has pros and cons certainly and you know you run into that when you were doing iOS development but for just doing like an in-class assignment or taking notes um, I mean you can attest to this better than me but it sounds like it'd be much more distraction free you just have that one pane open yeah it's probably especially like you you have pretty much eight and a half by eleven that works magically or and like if you're forcing yourself to use Google Docs where you can't really split screen you're in this mode where you you don't even have the ability to have multiple windows I'm guilty of having you know, one YouTube window open, iTunes, Spotify, TweetBot, all the stuff open on my Mac, and it drives me nuts because I'm sitting at my desk with three monitors, and I get overwhelmed by that. And I think kind of taking it back, I'm starting to rely on the iPad again, has made me kind of resimplify what I do with Windows and stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with a lot of Windows, but um, sometimes it's nice to just have you know that restriction imposed when you could just snap Twitter to the side and like be distracted while doing work, or this focus this forces you to be focused in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that, and even when I've been in class. I, I did experiment with like taking digital notes with a keyboard on my laptop like at certain points in my college career and in high school um, and I always was distracted like there was no way to avoid being distracted 
um, because there's just there's so much there. And I think I'm much less distracted when I'm in like penultimate. I have it flat on the table. It really like doesn't cross my mind sometimes that I even have like a digital device in front of me because I'm really just writing notes. Um, and I think that it, it is nice that it does narrow scope. And the other thing about iOS, and I think especially with iOS 9 and the split screen and stuff, there's a maturity that's emerging out of iOS. And there's a lot of very big Mac users who are really relying on the platform, but there's a delight to using it at this point. There are certain things that I just love doing on my iPad that I kind of miss when I'm on my MacBook Pro. Even the most basic thing where that share sheet where you can share things to Facebook Messenger just with the tap of a button, it's kind of a pain in the butt to do it when you're on a computer, you see a link, you copy and paste it, you paste it into your Messenger app. There's just something really nice and delightful where you can just send it directly or you can airdrop something or you know, you can manipulate stuff directly on the screen. And I think that's one of the beauties of iOS too. You know, speaking of mobile as a whole, I think it's so interesting. If you look back to earlier stages of Android and iOS uh, and even Windows Phone, I guess, their features were very phone-centric, you know. Um, they added a new UI, they added a better multitasking feature. And now it's like the features they're adding to these mobile operating systems are very desktop-centric, like split screen, uh, windowing almost in Android N. Like some of this stuff is so centric to um, desktops. I guess Microsoft's kind of taking the opposite approach, desktop into mobile. Um, you know, whichever's right is totally an argument, but I think that is super interesting, just how the industry is going as a whole. And this push for mobile software to be the software that you're running on. Um, and like the pros and cons to that. It's almost like, you know, a reinventing of what a desktop computer is. Well, I guess it very literally is that, but I just yeah. think it's a very interesting approach. At, yeah, at this point, yeah. I think it's interesting. Sometimes you'll ask people, like, what are your favorite apps? And probably five, ten years ago, everyone would say their favorite Mac app, and it's default that the Mac version is the superior version. But I think at this point, we can all list a couple of iOS apps that you can't find anywhere else that you only enjoy using on iOS. I heard from a lot of people the best version of Office um, in order. Number one is Windows. Number two is on iOS, and number three would be on OS X, or maybe even the web. <laughs> yeah, I heard the Mac one is a little bit crashy from like Mac Power users, which is another podcast I listen to, but I've never really experienced it. I think I'm still running uh, Microsoft Office 09 on my computer, so I'm a little bit guilty. The new one's pretty good, I can I have to say. I believe it. I've seen it. It saved a class project on someone else's computer last semester. <laughs> so, Actually, yeah. I ran into that, the, the uh, data thought we were doing. Um, we tried to open a file in numbers, and they limit you to like 60,000 rows. Uh, Excel doesn't limit you at all, so we were able to dump the whole spreadsheet. So we kept getting different sums we couldn't figure out for the longest time. Oh, because it was missing the cells from the import? Yeah, we, we were just looking at, like, you know, just opening up, seeing what's in the file, and we both couldn't see the same thing. So that speaks to the power of some of the applications. That wasn't on mobile, though. It's just tangential. Uh, one big thing I think I want to mention, and uh, I've always been paperless. I've kind of made it a goal when I came into college as a freshman to go paperless. And so I own multiple scanners. Uh, people know me as the Evernote person because I relied so heavily on the workflow. Uh, but it's really interesting how you kind of got rid of your notebooks. Can you talk, kind of talk about your paperless workflow at this point? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've always been a huge paper person. I also really like hard, like hard physical copies of books and stuff like that. Um, because I really like the freedom of having a piece of paper and being able to do whatever you want with that piece of paper. Mm -hmm. um, and I think now like that I've kind of gone paperless with the iPad, um, it's really been almost the same thing. And I don't think I could have done it without having such a good stylus and having such a good interface to actually take notes and take high quality notes and be able to print them out and actually have that paper if I need it for like a test or for something like that. Um, but I, I think that it, it really has just been a good paper substitute. Do you have any workflow of bringing paper and Do you use the iPad Pro camera scanning? And if you, if you do, which app do you use? What's your workflow for that? Right. Uh, so Penultimate does have the ability to take photos of stuff. Um, I've done that a couple times for like diagrams in classes. 
Um, so I, I would take like a photo and like put it in Evernote, but I really tend to like stay away from that and keep as much as I can really just on paper. Um, okay. And I really just like the fact that after I go home, like maybe I'm on my laptop or maybe I'm you know somewhere else and I have all of those notes available to me um, and I don't have to go fishing through like a notebook and a physical notebook, like yeah. putting stickies on pages, like trying to remember where stuff is because um, it's much easier to label stuff and to find stuff. Stuff's always backed up. There's never the issue with like your dog ate your homework or your notebook <laughs> flew away in the wind, right? It's like syncable. A big part for me too is collaborations of a friend missed lecture and they were asking for notes. I don't have to worry about my friend leaving with a notebook and never getting it back. I can just send her the PDF or send her a link through Evernote. And I think that's one of my favorite aspects about going paperless as a college student. Yeah, I've actually, I've done that a couple of times. I should have mentioned that. I have a a friend, actually, who's in one of my classes this semester who also recently acquired an iPad Pro Mm. 12.9. And we're in the same class, and, like, he tends to miss class a little bit more than me, and I don't mind sharing my notes. Um, And the fact that we both have the iPad and we're able to, like, share stuff, the same note opens in the same app. Like all same resolution, re- every the really way nice. it inputted. That's cool. It's like folding up a piece of paper into an airplane and like throwing it, but then like <laughs> having another copy. Yeah, yeah it's like, like literally that generation. Like the airdrop is the equivalent of like when your parents like rolled up paper balls and threw them. Another <laughs> intro lecture, right? That's how my parents usually communicate with me. Right now, <laughs> crumbled up pieces of paper. <laughs> and you open it up and it's just like dinner time. Like, oh, okay. So we've been. Uh, we forgot one huge question we've been meaning to ask. How do you keep track of the pencil? Um, that's a very good question. And when I got it, I was thinking about it all the time. I was like, oh my God, if I lose this, this is a hundred dollar investment that I basically need to use this device. And if I lose that, it's going to be terrible. Um, but actually I would say since I've got the iPad, I've lost my keys more than I've lost the pencil. Um, and I've lost my keys once. So I haven't actually <laughs> lost the pencil. Wow. Um, and I think what I attribute that kind of to is that because I've gotten the iPad, it's reduced my like day-to-day carrying workload, so I just carry around like a messenger bag, and I have a pocket in the messenger bag that I've explicitly defined as the pencil pocket, and I <laughs> do not put anything else in there, okay. um, and it's on the inside, and so whenever I put my iPad back into that uh, bag, it's always the pencil goes in there. So you're creating a behavior and like a set expectation. Exactly. Whenever I put something in this pocket, it's always the pencil. Yeah. Association. And Associative learning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like that, and when I open up my bag, like the feet, like I unzip the little compartment inside the inside of the bag that has the pencil and I know exactly where to expect it and it's always there. It's always there. And it's always there. I'm still like, I'm now pretty much a week into having it. I'm terrified of losing the pencil. I'm currently using just like a sleeve that I had for my netbook when I got my netbook in 2007, 2008. You just drop it in there? I kind of slide it in, yeah. So right, I'm not sure if you guys, I'll describe it. But So I have the iPad Air 2 leather case, this Apple case. I usually keep the iPad in there. My, uh, keyboard folds up into a rectangle that slides on top and then I keep the pencil and I slide it all and then I zip it all together and I put it in my backpack but um I'm kind of looking for a solution I think I want to find a case that I'm really attached to I'm not sure if I want to keep this it's a really great case but it's not made for the iPad Pro um I was thinking about getting like some type of elastic loop usually what people use for their notebook and kind of attaching it on the side but once again it's one of those things where like Johnny I've designed the iPad to be completely like seamless and beautiful does it re- is it really worth it to attach like an $8 elastic loop to it? Mm. Yeah. I've been debating with that a lot lately, actually. I've been trying to keep my phone naked. <laughs> I call it naked, but just no case on it. Oh, so you're not rocking your leather case How anymore? Dare. I, I took it off just for a bit because I realized, I'm like, wow, this phone is so much thinner than I originally thought. Um, and I was thinking about it with your iPad. I'm a big fan of having like a sleeve when I put it away, but mm-hmm. then when I take it out and use it, when I'm, you know, cognizant that I'm using it, yeah. it's right there with me. Um, but 
I guess Ray is the best of both worlds because his case is the keyboard. My only uh, thing is, like, I would love that case, but the back is exposed too. Have you considered doing anything for decal, or are you just not worried about scratching or anything? Um, honestly, I'm not too worried about it. If you look at my laptop, you'll understand. Like, I have scratches all over the bottom of my laptop, and that's just, you know, it's weathered. Um, obviously, the the iPad is beautiful, and I do like appreciate the like aesthetic of you know the work that like Apple does on this kind of stuff. But you know, in the end, like this device, I'll probably have for you know a few years, and then I'll move on to something else. And like by that point, like if it's a little bit Tattered, it's like been loved and exactly. used and stuff. And recyclable. And recyclable. <laughs> uh, I think it's I'm probably true. might invest. I might actually go the sleeve route, which is one of the first times I'll consider like actually doing a fitted sleeve. But I probably will do like a deep brand decal or something on like that too. Something not too crazy looking, not like a weird lime green, but like a simple white or a silver or even a wood, just to make sure mm -hmm. it doesn't scratch. And you're big on the resale market too, I guess. So that's yeah, I'm unusual. Like I think with this iPad, like they've made it very apparent that they're not refreshing the iPads every year. So I'm a little bit less, a little bit less, wor less worried about selling it and retaining the value. Um, but I do want to make sure it's in good condition. If I give it away to a family member or if I do end up recycling it or reselling it, I don't want to make sure. I don't want to have it look weathered. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Any other thoughts from you or Ray? Anything you'd like to discuss about your iPad experiences? Um, I mean, I know we don't really talk about photos and stuff, but photos are a pretty interesting thing, I think, with the iPad. And I, I know that you like Google Photos a lot. Yeah, actually, let's talk about that. Yeah. I, so we're kind of contrasted. I didn't think the 32 was enough. Um, my biggest gripe was when they announced the 9.7. They didn't even make a 64, which is what I had on my iPad Air 2. And so when I realized I had to go up for the 128, and it was mainly just like, if I use a lot of apps, if I was going to go travel, I was traveling a lot, and you're also traveling a lot as well. We were both on study abroad in Asia. It's nice to have movies and stuff. And my biggest fear was running app space if I was importing stuff from my GoPro or my camera, and that's why I went with the 128. But I think Google Photos is probably one of my favorite products, whether it be digital or physical, in a really long time. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I know we had like a brief chat about this already, and I completely agree with it. Google Photos is absolutely fantastic. Um, and the fact that they give you free space, yeah, you lose a little bit of quality when you, you know, put on the cloud. But for the most part, like the photos that I take with my phone, the photos that I take with my like iPad, you know, I seldom take photos with the iPad. But even when I do, like most of the time, those are photos to share content rather than to share photography. Or even like print. Like quite often, like when people talk about megapixels and stuff, like when are you ever going to print on a giant canvas? Right, exactly. And I have a DSLR that I use for photography. Like when I really want to take photos of something, like I'll use that. And if I want to print something, then I'll use the DSLR. But in terms of like sharing like photos, like the quality of Snapchat is like hilarious, but people use it all the time. Yeah. So like I'm totally happy with what Google Photos does. Um, and the fact that it's synced across all my devices, like instantly is awesome. Um, it's been really nice to take photos like with my phone and then like share them to people with my iPad. Instantly, like, right? You don't use so any of the iCloud photo sharing or anything, right? On I your Mac? I don't. I don't pay for iCloud and my iCloud is always full. Okay, you're still on the free plan. Yeah. Okay. I think the iCloud photo sharing is definitely underutilized. I could see a different need for that for um, like family members. My family tried it once, <laughs> but I always forget about it. Yeah, like I have a couple of shared albums because everyone in my family does the iCloud, like the shared photo album and stuff. But at this point, I kind of want to push all of them onto Google Photos. Yeah, and you can show them there too, so. Yeah, yeah, and they're making it a lot more robust for like shareable links and like you invite people. And once again, it comes back to the theme that everyone has a Gmail, so it won't be an issue anymore. You can just say like, Grandpa, what's your Gmail? Type it in. Everyone has like a Christmas album. Mm. Yeah, I had a really great experience. I was visiting my half-brother that lives in New York City, um, and I went to his like birthday party. And I took a bunch of photos with my, you know, with my phone and 
I they were all on Google Photos and like it did this really nice you know collage thing that Google Photos does and I just select all the photos and shared the album the next day like it was very easy to do. Even with like GoPro footage when I went to Harry Potter World and I imported it into my iPad and then uploaded Google Photos, it made this like this video montage with music and it was able to time the cuts really well. Then when I showed my brother, he's like, "When did you have time from the time we got to the subway <laughs> to make this video?" And it was really well done. Um, I think the big part of Google Photos, it's one of those technologies that kind of fades to the back. Like you kind of forget all those paradigms of what we had to manage, like files, folders, metadata, and it kind of just lets you know when you need it. So yeah. photos, instead of becoming files that we have to manage, becomes just the memories, the things that are intangible in the real world. And so that's why I love it so much. It's beautiful, Candace. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> that, that was pretty awesome. Well put. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Um, Ray, do you want to push anything or you want to let the audience know about your work? Um, I mean, I guess if you want to check me out on GitHub, it's github.com slash Raymond Jacobson. Uh, we'll be sure to also include links to all of Ray's work uh, down in our show notes if you guys want to check it out. Uh, you can find us on a myriad of podcasting services, including iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, also through our browser. We also really appreciate any reviews and comments on iTunes. It actually really helps us out a lot. Yes, please. Um, if you have any great feedback or questions for us, you can reach us at tictactalk at gmail.com. I'm at Candice Poon on Twitter, and Rob is at rrusso44 on Twitter. And Ray is at me at RaymondJacobson.com. Uh, on Twitter? Oh, on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I thought we were doing email. My bad. Uh, it's just at Raymond Jacobson. Perfect. Um, so thank just you so much, guys. <laughs> uh, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>